Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. This week has been very tough, but also very good. I have finished The Dark Verse book, Volume 1. The volume which I have entitled, From the Passages of Revenants. I have sent the files to the printer, and so it is going to print, and so it shall be. It is a hardcover book, imitation leather, with foil imprint. All of the sides, the edges of the pages, are going to be dusted in black. And the inside will include artwork by John Stifter. The cover is also done by John Stifter. He's helped with my art for The Dark Verse before. Um, He has done 26 images for the 26 stories included there, as well as an image for the end sheet. So it's going to be a phenomenal piece of artistry, both in appearance and in substance. So... I highly suggest you pick it up when it is available. I should be able to start selling the books in two months, so I will keep you updated from here until then. You will know when it comes out. Alright, so the story that I am sharing in this episode is very short and sweet because I haven't had a lot of time this week, but luckily I did punch one out. Even amongst having a couple days where I did not sleep at all and then had to go to work. But hey, that's how life goes and this is something I love doing. This is episode 35 of The Dark Verse and it is entitled A Megacosm's Secret Initiation of Members. Have you ever looked over the edge of the world? Asked the young girl sitting beside me on the train. At the time, we were passing by mountains strewn with large boulders, but my attention was on the features of the girl. Her hair was dark, and her skin was light. Unusual rainbows graced her eyes, causing them to look like crystal prisms. When the train first departed, someone I assumed to be her mother had left her in the seat adjacent to mine. The train was rather full. No, I haven't, I responded. I actually didn't know the world had an edge. I did not confront the girl on the logic of her question, because I was quite intrigued to learn more. Have you? I asked. Once, she said, but I can't any more. She continued to look at me, head turned to the side, although she said nothing more. Her gaze was very stiff. It became apparent that if she were to elaborate further on the curiosities of her mind, I would have to continue asking questions. 
Where is the edge of the world? I asked. Inside me, she answered rather quickly. I was very interested now. How would I look over the edge of the world if it's inside you? And at that, the girl widened her eyes and exposed me to a flowery radiance. My vision funneled down into her as if telescopes were pressed to my eyes. At first, it was my vision that departed. But then my whole body seemed to follow after, sliding down the tunnels of the iris child's unfolding portals. The edge of the world existed, but it was more its own world than any connecting part of another, and it was brutally infringing. It had nothing normal by which to orient direction or understanding. It was, in fact, an edge, an edge to those things identifiable, and so to look over the edge of the world was to look at those things that could not be fathomed. There were no words to accompany that which lay there. There was no learning of which to relate them to. The memories I formed were only of the emotions tearing throughout me, collating into sharp objects of despair. And there was intelligence, horrible, malicious intelligence. It danced throughout the colors I could not recognize. Whether there was one or many who held its acumen, I could not discern. Only the raw amusement proliferating abundantly in sound and other outlandish expressions gave me notice of its wicked presence. A lot happened to me as I looked over the edge of the world, but I never did remember just what. I only remember returning to the iris child and what then, shortly thereafter, vividly occurred. Here, said the iris child as I returned from the sights within her. I heard the girl say the word, but I was not fully alert. My fear was lucid, my mind was scattered. The girl placed something round in my hand and then departed off alone towards the front of the train. I remained unaware in my seat for several more minutes, acting as if I were in the middle of some violent nightmare. Passengers within my vicinity showed concern for my sudden ailment, but were for the most part inactive. Eventually, the worst of my condition passed, and I regained a considerable amount of cognizance. I opened my eyes and gazed down upon that which the iris child had left in my hand. It was soft and smooth, and extremely supple. It was one of the girl's eyes, vibrant colors and all. Instead of being detested, I was remarkably acquiescent to the gift, and as I pondered its significance, knowing that there could be no dimension waiting to swallow me in once again, I grew rather drawn to its appearance, not in sight, but in appetite. The eye in my hand was forming an insuppressible hunger within me. The way the eye gleamed, the way it felt in my hand. I was beginning to salivate at the chance to bite deep within its core and taste of its sweet insides. Hardly being able to contain myself, I withdrew from my seat and retreated to a nearby lavatory. Once inside and left to the affairs I deemed private, 
I plunged the iris child's eye into my mouth, biting down with ravenous force. When my teeth contacted the moist surface of tissue, all went dreadfully wrong. The eye did not give in to the strength of my teeth. Instead, my teeth shattered, splintering off in flecks of dominated dust. I screamed then, not so much because of the torrential pain, but because of the way it felt. It felt like my teeth had become nothing but brittle clay placed beneath a hammer. The sensation of it made the soul cringe. Blood then poured from my wounds. The normal color of crimson was absent and had been replaced with rivers of colored paint. The discomfort that had just intruded upon my mouth now entered my eyes. It started as an itch, but quickly became a fire of irrepressible agony. To see such things was ultimately abhorrent. I tried to close my eyes, but even beneath those shields of protection, the cursed bizarreness bled through. So, without even the slightest hint of apprehension, I pried my own eyes out. I fell to the ground and floated in the colorful lake of my sinister initiation, becoming associated with the likes of entities I had no knowledge of. Almost certainly, the train was but a stage for a performance of unearthly advancement, in which I played the lead role. Like the iris child, I would never again be able to look over the edge of the world, but even so, I did not want to. That concludes episode 35 of The Dark Verse. Listen to or download all of my past episodes at thedarkverse.com or through iTunes. You can add me as a friend on MySpace. Go to myspace.com slash thedarkverse. If you want to email me about anything, you can do so by addressing sharkchild at thedarkverse.com. Okay, that's all I have for you. Go get them. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. <laughs> <laughs>